Well, it's been an amazing week at Cherish, our women's conference at First Direct Arena. And it's been a privilege to have pastors Louis and Shelley Giglio. Louis is the founder of the Passion Movement, just doing an incredible job reaching the next and emerging generation, and also pioneering an incredible church called Passion City. So it's our privilege to have Pastor Louis bringing the word, I know it's going to impact you and help you. His message, Psalm 23, your rod and your staff is incredible. So get ready because here's Pastor Louis. But it really is something very special. And to Steve and Charlotte, Shelly and I just want to say how delighted we are to have met you and come alongside you, been the beneficiaries of your faith. And I won't take a, a lot of time today, but I, I would like to say that only a few people in life really know what it's like to be under the weight of something as glorious as what God is doing through this house. It, it's not just here, although this is amazing. God's going to change people's lives today all through this day and all the campuses of this house today. But the exportation, the, the mantle, if you will, the stewardship, it's amazing. And it, it, it also is costly. And so I want to just recognize again to Steve and Charlotte uh, that, that Shelly and I do a bit of what you do. And we don't understand all of what you have walked through, sacrificed, given for this house and for this movement, but we're grateful that you didn't quit because I guarantee you knowing me, there was a day you wanted to. And thank you for trusting God and believing God and hanging in there so that the fruit could come that we've seen in these seasons. And we applaud you, we celebrate you guys, we honor you today. <laughs> so our text today is maybe the most well-known text in all the world. If you were one of the ladies at Cherish, I, we spoke from this a few nights ago, Psalm 23. If you're one of the, the mates in the house, then uh, you're going to get to dig in a little bit to a different part of this psalm. Psalm 23, maybe the best-known passage of Scripture in all the world. If you go to your neighbor who doesn't go to church and maybe has never been to church and say, the Lord is my shepherd, they might say, I shall not want. People know this text, but... I'm praying today, again, it will move from information <clears throat> to operation in our lives. From, oh, I know that, to, wow, God's helping me live that. Because there is such a promise in this particular text of Scripture. And we're going to look at a verse today. But I want to just back up a verse and try to help us see <clears throat> another verse that we could all quote together. In maybe a way that will actually help some of us today with the battles that we're facing and the struggles that are in our lives, especially if you struggle at all with fear in your life. Now, I would think in a, in a gathering like this, probably just be one person today who's struggling with fear about something in your life. So I came to speak to you, whoever you are. And fear comes in a lot of shapes and sizes. There's stress. I'm sure no one here is dealing with that. There's worry. Anybody in the house? Amen. There's panic. A little bit higher stakes now. There's anxiety. The granddaddy of them all is depression. And they all cluster together. They come in different shapes, sizes for all of us at different times. But I believe the giant of fear has got its foot on the throat of the nation. Including the church. 
You say, well, how would you know that and why would you say something that bold? Because 365 different times in the scripture, God says, fear not. So God thinks that we have the propensity to be afraid. God's opinion is that left to ourselves, we're gonna be anxious. So many times in scripture, he mentions anxiety. Anxiety is not a new thing. It has been blown up in our culture by a lot of different factors, namely the screens that we hold in our hands and that stay on the nightstands by our bed so that when we wake up at two o'clock because we're stressed about a family situation or a work situation or a life situation and we're looking at the ceiling again and we think, oh, for some comfort, I'll just grab my phone. Can I just remind us again, there's little comfort waiting for you on the screen, because as soon as you do, you'll be informed immediately that while you're stressed staring at the ceiling, your friends are in the Mediterranean on a cruise on a yacht. <laughs> and you'll hate them, <laughs> secretly pray for horrible weather to blow in, <laughs> a big cloud from France come down and just ruin it all, because that's what would happen from the French, of course. <laughs> oh, I know where I am, people. Don't think I don't understand where I am today. All that rain we had yesterday, that was all the French that did that. Thank you very much. So we either hate our friends, we hate our life, we're like, when's the last time I went on a vacation to the Mediterranean? I can't even pay the mortgage. And it's found in this Psalm 23. This is not nice poetry, gentle speak. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Grandma loves this one. This is gritty and powerful. It's got guts in it, and it can save your life. And when he says, David, who is a warrior and a king and a leader and a boss of bosses, a man among men, a fighter among fighters, a musician, an author, a writer, a poet, he is the consummate guy of guys, but he knows what it's like to live under pressure to be pursued, to have his life at risk, to be misunderstood, to be falsely accused. He knows what it means to be abandoned by people that he has, in fact, given his life to serve. He knows what it's like to take the high road. He knows what it's like to be in proximity where he could get justice, where he could take matters into his own hands. He knows what it's like to be on the run, to sleep in a cave alone at night. He knows the pressure of leading an organization, leading an army, leading a nation, and fighting against temptation. He knows it all. And when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, he is offering us an opportunity today to take advantage of a promise from Almighty God. This shepherd, he says, makes me lie down in green pastures. We'll talk about that if I'm ever here with you again because the first thing the shepherd does is make us do some things. And a lot of us would say, no one makes me do anything, bro. 
I don't know where you came from today, but people don't make me do anything. Well, then you're not going to get in on the promise of the shepherd, Jesus Christ, who wants to lead your life if you're not willing to let him make you do something because the first thing he's going to do is make you do something. But listen to what he's going to make you do. He's going to make you lie down in green pasture. You know why? Because we are so dumb that we don't know how to lie down in green pasture on our own. Hello? You know, when he refers to us, the Lord, as sheep in this text, he's not paying us a compliment. I mean, there's some sheep nearby that was like, amen, yeah, that, I get that. You're thinking, he was not saying, oh, you are so cute. And bouncy and cuddly and woolly and, oh, I love you so much. You're all so adorable. He's saying, man, you need help. You need help. And I'm going to help you. In fact, I'm going to make you lie down in green pasture. That happened to me a few years ago when God made me lie down for about four months of my life. Because I was going to kill myself at the pace and the pressure that I was allowing myself to live under. And God broke me down and lay me down so that I could find green pasture. He leads me, he restores me, he guides me. So we got four great promises that I believe everyone in the room is looking for today. I'd love someone to help me lie down in green pasture. I would love someone to restore my soul. I would love someone who could lead me. I would love someone to guide me. He says, I'm right here, right here, right here. I'm right here, I'm right here. Would you let me be your shepherd? And if you would, I would love to. But you have to make that choice today. And then he comes to verse 4, the best known verse in this psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen? So who's been comforted lately by the rod and the staff? See, this is what I want to talk about just for the last few minutes today. I love the verse because it's an even though I will verse. We just finished a series at our church in Atlanta, Georgia called Even Though I Will. Even though the fig tree doesn't bud. And even though there are no grapes on the vine... Even though the crops produce no food, and even though there are no sheep in the pen, and even though there are no cattle in the stall, guess what? I will rejoice in my God, and I will exalt in God my Savior. The psalmist said, even though war breaks out against me, I will be confident. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So the obvious application today is we're going to get valleys, but God's going to go through them with us. The shepherd's not sending you into the valley. He's walking you through the valley. If I could just say one thing to you today, you're going to make it. 
you're going to make it. As someone who is down in a hole of, of darkness and depression and anxiety and out of commission, I'm here to tell you today, you're going to make it. And I came with this message for someone today. You're not the only one who's in that place and you're not crazy. And that's a game changer for somebody sitting here. I thought I was losing my mind. Now, there may be some crazy in it. Amen? You don't have to say that out loud. You can just give me a little just eyebrow. There may be some crazy in it. Like for me, when your face is numb, that's crazy. When your legs are convulsing like someone plugged you into an electrical outlet, that's crazy. Uh, when you can't feel your arm, that's crazy. When you have symptoms that cause you to go to every doctor imaginable because you think you're dying of every disease known to man, that's crazy. There's a lot of crazy in it. But you are not crazy. God did not create you crazy. And you down underneath all of what the enemy is pressing in on you are not crazy. And here's the reality. You're going to get through. You are going to come through in the name of God. You're going to come through by the grace of God. You're going to come through. And the first line of defense, the very first line of defense against anxiety is, I'm not crazy and I'm going to make it through this. Because anxiety comes right in the door and says, you're crazy and you're not going to make it through this time. You're the only one going through this kind of pressure. You're the only one living in these kind of symptoms. You're the only one down in this kind of darkness. Don't talk about it to anybody else because why would anybody else even want to know about problems like this? But here's what he offers today, and this was a kind of a new one for me. It's digging around and lying down in this psalm. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I'm like, I need a comfort. When pressure comes in, we need comfort. We, we need something or somebody to show up and make us feel more relieved about the circumstance that we're in. And he says, and I'll do that for you, and here's how. I've got a staff in one hand and a rod in the other. Did you know that your shepherd has something in both hands? The staff is easy. It's Mary had a little lamb. It's come on, guys, go this way. It's no, go that way. It's You see the person coming down the road in some of the villages around here trying to get the sheep out of the middle of the road. It's, hey, guys, this way, that way. The rod is different. The rod is not for the sheep. The staff is for the sheep. The rod is for the wolf and the bear and the lion. You see that? The staff is to guide the sheep. The rod was hewn from the trunk of the tree. From the most dense part of the tree, the rod was hewn. The rod may be this tall, but it is solid and sturdy. And any good shepherd would wield it with absolute authority. David said when he was qualifying to take down Goliath, there was a time when I was tending my father's sheep and a lion came and grabbed one of the sheep in its mouth. So what did I do? I ran after it. I grabbed the sheep from its mouth. And then I struck it. And I killed it. And Jesus might to you be meek and mild, gentle little holy land dweller with his beautiful hair and beard. <laughs> and his beautiful robe that's always pressed, by the way. <laughs> His wonderful little 
sandals on. I'm telling you, it's fierce. He's got a staff in this hand and a rod in this one. And he intends to absolutely defend you. But you have to let him. I grew up in middle class America. Our family was not wealthy at all. We lived in an apartment. Um, I don't know how to translate that necessarily, but sort of middle class, small, 700, 800 foot apartment most of my life through high school into college. And we loved it. It was great. We had a little patio on the back. We were four units in our building. And we had a little grill on the back patio. We were first floor, apartment C, building 29C. My dad was a master griller. And one Saturday, he was grilling and had the sliding glass door open, I guess, most of the afternoon while he was grilling on the patio. That comes into play about midnight when we're all asleep. Me in my room, my sister's room adjoined my room. We shared a bath across the hall. And at the end of the hall was my mom and dad's room, and it had an ensuite bath. So we were all, like, right here together all of our lives, and um, I had in my room a, a weapon because our, our apartment complex had gotten a little rough and tumble, and my sister and I on ground floor would hear things rustling in the, the shrubbery outside our windows sometimes at night, especially my sister's room, and she would give me the little sign on the wall, and I'd go to work, and I had a hockey stick that I had sawed off, a, an ice hockey stick, and I know it's not super big in, in Britain, but... Um, I worked for the professional ice hockey team in our town. And occasionally a player would crack his stick or crack the blade, and I would always take the broken sticks home because they were, some of them were valuable because the players were exceptional. And I brought one home and sawed the blade off. And so if you know what a hockey stick normally is, it's a kind of a rectangular shaft, the blade on the bottom. I'd sawed the blade off, but they always had like a, a little handle made out of tape on the top so they wouldn't slip out of the player's hand. So it had this nice tape handle on the top, a little bit of reinforced tape about here, perfect size just for, and hard, 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 hard wood, literally hard wood. And so I had it in my closet, sliding closet door. And so anything would happen, I felt like the family's under threat, I'd grab that hockey stick. So middle of the night, maybe midnight, my, my mom, I hear my mom shriek. I mean, I won't do it here because uh, it would terrify everybody. I mean, just shrill. And I'm like, whew, straight up out of bed. Before I even realize what's going on, grab the hockey stick. I don't even know what's going on, but I got the hockey stick, open my bedroom door into the hall. My dad is standing in his doorway in his underwear, hair all flying every direction. He's like, bedroom light is on in their room. And my mom is standing on the bed in their room, shrieking. And I'm like, I'm trying to process what's going on. And she sees me in the doorway and she goes, over there. And I'm like, over where? And I start looking over there. Over here in the corner, my dad has, oh, I would say 200 Golf Digest magazines all stacked up in the corner. Any guys here? Oh, I know. I'll just keep stacking them in the corner every month. And eventually, you know, slowly they get about this tall and you don't even know they're in there. So I'm, I start moving that direction thinking, what's going on? And I hear, and I'm like, and my mom's like, it's over there. So I move over there, a field rat has come along during the barbecue, sniffed up to the house, might be ribs, <laughs> seen the sliding door open, said, never been in there before, trickled in, made his way or 
Let's just make it a him, it'll be easier, because he's going to die at the end of this story. <laughs> Trickles down the hallway, looks in my room, nah, sister's room, amazingly, because she always had a half-eaten sandwich underneath her bed. I don't know why he didn't go in there. Finally works his way to my parents' room, which would be the closest direction back to where he came from in the field. Gets in there, hangs out, maybe takes a nap. Eventually, nighttime comes, everybody goes to sleep, lights go off, rat wakes up, and he's like, where are my people? <laughs> Can't get out of the room. And we're not talking about a mouse, we're talking about a rat. Oh, about the size of a loaf of bread. Yeah, big. And so I go over there with a stick, he's maneuvered behind the magazines. This is a point where if you love all of creation and all of nature, <laughs> please... Just cover your ears. And I jab a little bit at him. And he runs behind my parents' bed to the other corner where my mom has all of her novels stacked up on the floor. And now he's back there. And I'm thinking, A, this is all crazy. This all happened in a flash, by the way. B, why are we all up in the middle of the night? And so I just take matters into my own hands. And just with one, because there's nowhere for him to go, he's worked himself into a corner, literally, and I just, <laughs> last breath of our friend. So take that home with you today. Just think about that <laughs> through the afternoon. Let God speak to you in different ways, in different seasons. <laughs> and so... I, I'm an underreactor. Shelly will back this up. So I say to my dad, who's still standing there, hair going up, underwear. I say, y'all have a good night. <laughs> Close the door, lay back down. My work is done. And as crazy as that is, and as much as no one came to church today to hear about the dreadful end of an unsuspecting little character who accidentally worked his way into our little apartment. Your shepherd has a rod in his hand. And let me just reinforce it this way one more time. He's got your so that's a nice little preachery way to say that. No, no, it's in the text. Surely goodness and love will, what? Follow you. Do you remember the night that God's people left Egypt? Pharaoh wised up. Horses and chariots were fired. The Israelites saw the dust in the desert. They said, God, what have you done to us? put us out here to die in the desert because they didn't want to dig graves back in Egypt. And the angel of God that had led them, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire that had led them moved. And encamped behind them. God 
has got your back. And you can lay down tonight with this choice. Am I going to be the shepherd? And you can make that choice. It will cost you two or three hours of sleep. You're going to need an Ambien or two. And you're going to wake up and things aren't going to be zero different than they were before you went to sleep. You're just going to be sleepless and more stressed. Or you can lay down tonight and look up at the end of your bed at a shepherd who is standing there and say, God, they're after us. Jesus, they're after us. They're spreading lies about us. They're trying to dismantle our family. The enemy is at the door. He even got in the house somehow. He's in the room next door. So I'm going to cast my anxiety on you. I'm not going to go through some crazy spiritual gymnastics and say, oh, it's not real. Please. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to acknowledge it. Okay, try that. Dad, mom, go back to sleep. The rat's not real. You're fine. Just pray, believe, you'll be fine. Of course we believe God can do miracles. But sometimes you've got to just say what is what. God, there's, there is trouble at hand. I give her, him, them to you. I put him in your hands. I put the dilemma in your hands. I put the addiction in your hands. I put the economy in your hands. The globe is in your hands. The whole wide world is in your hands. The politics are in your hands. The, to defend your son through this night. And I will wake up with a song of praise because I'm going to make it through the night. And we are going to keep on walking through the valley when the morning comes. Let's give some praise to God. He is a shepherd of the sheep. Hey, thank you so much for watching. As we finish our time together, we pray that he has impacted your heart. God is with you. So go on, have a great week ahead.